With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Feeling My Flow is a podcast co-created by Juleka and produced by her company, Lentigua Williams & Co., which also produces Latina to Latina. Feeling My Flow sees and talks about menstruation as an event that happens to all types of bodies and affects menstruators in different ways how they feel about their bodies, how others treat them based on social norms, what access they have to information and power. Feeling My Flow brings us the stories of individuals and how they've been shaped by menstruation. There's Lola, a late bloomer, PJ, a trans man who gets sympathy cramps, Cass, who sparked an international conversation with an Instagram post. Feeling My Flow wants to help you start important conversations at critical moments. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit Feeling My Flow, that's feelingmyflo.com for more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Ramona Rosales set out to become a fashion photographer, but a series of opportunities to shoot up and coming stars led her down an unexpected path. Her bright, colorful images allow us to see the stars we love in a whole new light. Cardi B, Janelle Monet, Jordan Peele, Gabrielle Union, Zachary Quinto, and so many others. She's probably photographed your fave. When we talked, she revealed how she found her niche in a demanding industry, how she learned to see what's possible with her camera, and the hilarious story that explains why she hates being photographed. Ramona, thank you for doing this. Yes, thanks for having me. You have photographed so many big talents. Rapid response. Give me a word to describe each of these people that you've shot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dangerous. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, we can edit it later. <laughs> Janelle Monet. Oh, God. Just a ray of light. <laughs> a ray of light. Good. That's what I wanted to hear. Okay, yes. <laughs> America Ferreira. Uh, I love her so much. Again, good. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy Ellis Ross. 
magic. <laughs> Jordan Peele. Oh my God, he's an inspiration. Just I, I want to be him. <laughs> okay, Bad Bunny. Oh, Bad Bunny. He's he's gentle. There's one shot in particular that I, I when we said it, I think of it, and he's holding these the bouquet of flowers and. And this look he has in it, there's like an innocence to it. But then I've seen him on stage and going like, oh, my God, this guy's a madman. But, yeah, he's he's like a velvet hammer. Let's just say that. <laughs> Aquafina. Oh, Aquafina. Actually, with most comedians, most comedians I've worked with, there is that element where they're on when they're on. Otherwise, sometimes they're tragic clowns. She's not a tragic clown, but <laughs> maybe she's more like a smile now, cry later. <laughs> Here's the single most important one I need to know about, which yes. is Cardi. Oh, Cardi. She made all the boys on my set blush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just a ball of fire. She's just... Yeah, she she will light up a room and she will make everybody blush. How did you begin shooting these artists? I was working with smaller magazines. A couple of the, the original magazines that uh, took a risk on me were like Bust, a few smaller art magazines that don't exist anymore. Larger magazines like Premiere at the time, it was like a Entertainment Weekly. They knew that I was bouncing between Los Angeles and New York. They're like, oh, you're going to be in L.A. We have this up-and-coming person we want you to shoot. And because they liked... Or again, they like, you know, took a risk of like, oh, we got this younger photographer that does something colorful or something fun. This is a young celebrity we want her to cover. So that slowly was a build from there. And then by the time I looked a couple of years past, it's like, oh, my book is hardly any fashion left. It's only celebrity. So it kind of just evolved that way. And this was not what I expected. Because also when I started, I was extremely shy and just introverted and just really focused on the actual technique of everything, didn't know myself at, at that point, or at least be able to feel comfortable with people, which was an odd thing to happen that I've gotten into celebrity, because you have to be very open-minded and talk to people and and be able to communicate. And I was able to communicate once I was behind the camera. Right. But to get to the client side of things, you have to be able to have them trust you that you're, once you're on set, you can tell that subject to do this, this, and that, and make sure that their team is good with you and everything else and improve yourself. It's not just the actual right. photography is the talent. It's the the interaction with client, interaction with the subjects and everybody else. So it's good to assist. And I assisted someone that was great and who was amazing with clients and amazing with promoting himself. And I took cues from him and that that got me to the best point. So it's really once if you are like an up and coming photographer and you're looking to do a certain genre, seek out photographers that are doing what you want to be doing. That way, it's a complete uh, sample of what how that world works. Tell me about the first photograph you ever took. Oh, wow. Well, it would have been a long time ago with a Polaroid of one of our cats. Uh, <laughs> I did a whole setup. I made it look like it was a Friskies commercial. And there was uh, some sleeping bags involved and catnip. And we got these little cans and the, put the cat, the catnip, and then staged it. And that was kind of the first photo I remember taking and have it and go, I have a record of this probably age of six or so. It all started with some friskies and the cat. Wow, I love <laughs> that you had like a commercial lens even then. 
I know. I don't know where it came from because it wasn't. It was never really what I was really seeking out. But I think just me having control over something was the was where it was at. I'm just Tell me about it. Similar <laughs> personality type. When did you decide I could do this for real? That's a good question. But I never thought I would be able to make a career out of it. So mm-hmm. I would switched gears kind of in high school. I was shooting the typical things that maybe people started with, like yearbook photo editor and, you know, shooting the sports stuff in junior high. But I was also shooting like friends skateboarding and friends that were in bands. And then occasionally I would do a portrait of people mixed in with it. Maybe it was a little discouraged in terms of I don't see myself in what I see in magazines at that point. So I switched gears in high school and was focusing more on film. And I wanted to be a film editor and applied for college with that route in mind to go to a film school and luckily took a break between university and applying for an art school to really find myself and find my photography and go, you know, I think I actually want to be a photographer. I don't want to do the film thing. Um, Again, second-guessing myself, thinking there's so many amazing editors out there. I don't see myself in this land. I, I Maybe I'll be better off. Also a controlled thing, though, too, because yeah. being an editor, you're at the mercy of someone else's vision. And even though you're a big part of that, I wanted to have the, as I put it, the whole enchilada. I want everything. I want to have be like the start to finish in terms of the creative and the start to finish and who I'm going to work with and what it's going to look like. Having my picture taken is literally my least favorite thing to do in the world. Same. Like, and that's the thing I, second thing I hate most is probably like running, and I'd still rather run than have my my photo taken. So you don't, you don't like having your photo taken. No, no. And when I assisted, you had to have your photo taken. So I got used to that. And I was like, look at those photos. I was like, wow, why didn't I, why didn't I try a little bit, you know, or or at least like it better? Because I loved the photos that those photographers had used for me. But I think it also came from um, my parents used to chase me around the house when I was little and always wanted to take a photo of me. And I, I just was like, no, I don't want to be in front of it. My dad has a collection of photos of me crying because he knew that would be a way for me to stop crying because I would focus on saying, don't take my photo. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to parent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it worked. I mean, definitely when I see a camera, I'm like, no. Because to me, that has to be one of the hardest parts of your job, which is putting somebody else at ease in front of the camera. And maybe that's where where that comes in for me in terms of putting those people at ease because I know how it feels to not be comfortable. Seeing the cues of when you see someone really start to like, oh, I don't know if I feel good about this. It's really, you know, there's a lot of things when in, or at least one of the adages I like to use is like, if it feels wrong, it looks amazing. It just, it, <laughs> if, it, if it's, it's awkward, so counterintuitive. it's counterintuitive, but then the camera sees things completely differently than we see. I mean, of course, like we see ourselves completely different than anyone else is going to see us. So it's, it's a little more difficult to get that person in that space, also not knowing where they're coming from. There's a lot of baggage that can be associated with that. <laughs> So you kind of just have to take it one thing at a time. And, of course, like using distractions with like a great playlist or having people around that are being positive about it. But then I also remember reading Bossy Pants and uh, Tina Fey talking about a shoot she did for Bust and how she that was like. That was my shoot. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. And how she was like, 
I know we're all feminists here, but we're going to airbrush this, so to say, because she, you had her arms up, mm-hmm. and she wanted to make sure that her underarms were going to <laughs> have a little touch. But yeah, it was it was actually one of my first covers, or na- first national covers. I um, thought I knew I loved you, and I didn't even know how far <laughs> that love went back, Ramona. And that, that shout-out to us was, like, amazing, because she's already my spirit animal. Uh-huh. Like, I, I just love her to death. And um, it was one of her, it was actually one of her first photo shoots as well, and... Yeah, at the time, Best Magazine, I mean, they're like the most amazing team of scrappy feminists that we were doing that photo shoot in their office, like on <laughs> on, on the creative director's like, dining room table. And I, I ran across the street to, a, I think it was like a restoration hardware and bought to return right away these velvet curtains and steam them out myself. I think one of my buddies came to help me out on that one because there's no budget. The small budget they had. I flew myself out to New York for that and crashed at a friend's house. There was really no retouching involved, and it was really like, okay, we're relying on the light and what we get with the whole shoot. And it was just a great, again, two kind of nerdy girls trying to make, make each other relax in a time when like, <laughs> you're like, okay, it's a cover, no pressure. But we we came up with a really fun concept. I, I schlepped this little typewriter from LA and she had her pose with it with like a like an accordion. And it was right around the time she was still one of the head writers at SNL, but she was also, uh, Mean Girls was coming out. So it was promoting Mean Girls and her her debut of, of everything. So it was great to have a nice awesome like to the feminist photographers out there because <laughs> what do, do you find that retouching enhances your work or diminishes your work it really depends i try to keep things i don't like go heavy-handed and there, of course there's gonna be people that request it there's gonna be some clients that you trust them with your work and they're like oh we're gonna do it on our end which is always so risky and then you see the stuff and you're like whoa <laughs> Yeah, that's not the photo I took. That is not the photo I took. But I recently worked with Jamila Jamel, and she's so amazing in terms of getting that message out that as soon as we stop doing that type of thing, we're not comparing ourselves unreasonably to something that's not achievable because it's computer generated. And, you know, a lot of people are actually like going from digital back to analog, but have been dealing with someone like that wanted me to retouch a Polaroid. And I'm like, <laughs> It's a Polaroid. I don't really want to do that anyway because that's kind of the beauty of Polaroid. It's like you get this amazing bit that it's a real moment. How do you prepare for your shoots? There's a lot of prep. I guess in a normal editorial shoot, we try to put together things called mood boards or a treatment. And it's it's laying out the type of approach we want to do. It's also trying to have a a focus on where the creative is going to be. So if we want to do something a little more moody or we're going to shoot a location that's going to be outdoors, I try to pull imagery that gives examples not only to relate to the client, how I'm going to go about it, but also have something to show the talent when we're on set and go, hey, this is how it's going to look. I know from the onset, it doesn't look like we're lighting this a lot or we are adding all these lights. But this is going to be the results. And these are the type of poses you want to do. And this is the type of mood you want to be in or what, you know, you're trying to do. Because depending on the project, whether we're shooting a celebrity that is maybe promoting a film or promoting a show or a new album, I try to get as much info. I wanted to go along with what 
represents that person. Once we kind of go from that point, it's figuring out all the logistical bits, whether it's the location, who the team we're working with hair and makeup, whether the team's coming directly from the the talent side of things or if it's people that I work with and, and find that I think would be a good pairing. And do you generally then take on the role of director? Because that's the thing. There are a lot of people who are contributing to that photo. Absolutely. At the end of the day, are Absolutely. you the one who, who says, who calls those shots? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times we're collaborating with creative directors or art directors or photo editors, but um, a lot of times they'll have me create the mood or create the creative boards with that. Yeah, but I do become the director. And a lot of times, too, we are mixing stills with video, and I am essentially the director. I'll have a DP on set that is going to, I'm going to relay the type of lighting that's going to mimic my lighting in the stills, and then we recreate it on the video side of things, and then I'm just directing as I would if I'm shooting, if I had the camera in my hand or not. What happens when plan A? When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Doesn't work. Oh, I always have a plan B, D, F, Z. <laughs> I'm definitely an over planner, and to, to a fault to where I, um, if if I have time, I try to squeeze in as many things as I possibly can. I've been um, told I'm greedy <laughs> with time sometimes. So I'm like, well, I got the shots we needed. Well, I'm going to do these other shots. So for me, especially if a budget's low, I try to take on projects that I know that I'm going to do something for me. And that's going to be something I would put in my portfolio, something that I would want to showcase as a highlight to what I'm doing. It's resourceful. Resourceful, exactly. I'm going to say that next time. They're like, she's being greedy. Too many shots. 
<laughs> what is in your bag of tricks that you use most frequently? Oh wow, there's the bag of tricks. <laughs> the bag of tricks is huge. It was kind of exciting in the last the last year or so. People have definitely gravitated towards those shoots that I've done where there is these incrama tricks. I'm known for these these weird, but and I have a client recently. It's like we need to put a name to it because they're they're very organic. But we're mixing digital and analog tricks that have been around for a long time. And we're doing it in camera. A lot of people think, oh, you're doing this in post-production or in Photoshop. And I'm like, nope, there's no Photoshop. This is all done in camera. And no shot is the same when we're incorporating these tricks. So a lot of it is is dealing with a lot of technical stuff where it's longer exposures or mixing continuous light with, with strobe, painting with light, with, with LEDs. Or, I mean, a lot of my tricks are like rave toys that you get on Amazon. Like, <laughs> like what? Give me one example. Like the kind of gloves that have the little LEDs on the tips of the fingers. Clippies that have LEDs that are like, I guess they're fiber optics, but they flash and they have butterflies at the end of them. But, you know, we just, but they create these really beautiful elements that you can't create digitally. At least you could, but they wouldn't look as good. And there's like smoke bombs and at least three or four Ziploc bags of pieces of cut gels and just random glittery bits that that create magic it's just um and i've always been like that i always find things i'm like oh how can i make this look i mean i'm sure when i'm at a store people think i'm crazy because I'll, I'll have like some bit and i'm like holding it up to my eye into the light and they're like what is this crazy person doing and i'm like you understand it's rainbows they're beautiful <laughs> When I emailed you to ask to join us, I was like, I don't know if you're Latina, but if you are, which is <laughs> one way to pose a delicate question. And yes. you wrote back, I am Latina, but I'm generally considered a gringa even by my family. Yes. Yes. Um, there's, a, well, there's a lot of unpacking there, but um, <laughs> I think it's just the nature of, especially in Los Angeles, we're a big mixed bag. My dad had the struggle as well. He's one of many kids. Eleven. Eleven. Eleven kids. And he was the first born in the States. My family's from northern Mexico, like Chihuahua and Juarez. And they came in the 50s. But, you know, again, we come in many shades of brown. My dad definitely is a little more fair. And as a kid, he got teased. They called him Casper. And I could basically, I'm the same. I have very dark hair. I have dark eyes. But I'm very fair. And I'm also a little more mixed, so I have some characteristics from my mom's side of the family. Because your mom's not Latina. She's not. No, she's kind of a a good California blend of farmers and ranchers that (laughs) came from Sweden. And we also have some California Native American uh, as well. But But you see yourself as Latina. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I have an abuela. Like... (laughs) And she's the biggest inspiration in terms of how I see myself as a very strong woman and a lot of my approaches to things. And and I hate to say it because it's a stereotype, but my temper and things like that, that I inherited from her and just being around her and being around all my amazing aunts and cousins. I have a bazillion of them. And also, I grew up with a lot of friends that share the same background or experiences as I do. So, of course, I definitely identify and embrace it. I feel like there's not a solid badge that you have to have. We don't need no stinking badges. (laughs) (laughs) 
that says I am I have the you have to have fully an amazing totally bilingual or you know how to cook as good as your grandma's did or or sew as good or take care of family the same way we all have our different approaches well I think it's interesting you know your calling card in your work is color Yes. Sort of the thing <laughs> that people always highlight with you. And when I see, I mean, I could see one of your photos pop up in my Instagram feed out of the corner of my eye and know it was you because <laughs> right. just, just because even before I see the celebrity, I see the color. Yes. yes. And that's always ascribed to your California roots and your love of California. <laughs> yes. But I see some Latinidad in there as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's definitely Southern California. I mean, that's a lot of that, but oh, absolutely. The color is definitely going to come from that side of the family. <laughs> My grandmother's home is always impeccable. And anytime I would go there, she'd put my hair in my braids and bought all the little colorful ribbons. And just, she made life colorful. She made me just appreciate that type of stuff. But also just being in her neighborhood. You know, she's she was in East L.A. It was that's the the flavor of it. But also where I grew up in Long Beach. It's, you know, very diverse, luckily diverse community. And that we had a lot of or at least I had a lot of inspiration around me in terms of like keeping things vivid. And color is just like flavor or or just like anything else. The music around all that stuff's going to input itself. It's it's there It's in the DNA in terms of like where that comes from and why I always gravitate towards that stuff and put it back into the work. What is your best advice for another Latina who wants to pursue photography as a career? Well, definitely persistence. That's definitely the main recipe for me was persistence. Everyone's journey is different, the whole photography thing, depending on whatever, if you're going to do celebrity or if you're going to go into fashion or if you're going to go into other things. But you just got to be patient. It's everyone's journey is completely different. You can't judge yourself next to other people because talent's the one thing, but it's getting out to the other elements of either making those relationships, showing your work, keeping up with it, and constantly putting your brand out to the people that you want to work to. The learning experience part of it is whether you learn that you're barking up the wrong tree with in terms of the type of clients that you maybe are not a good fit with. Don't let that discourage you. You'll learn eventually, but it's that persistence and evolving. You have to evolve. You have to keep the evolution going or you're going to get stagnant. You'll start not loving your work or what you're doing and it's going to show. It comes through. So it's just that evolution and keep learning about who you are and having that bit go into your work as well. If you're starting out and you're assisting, find somebody that you see yourself aligned with. Not even on a creative thing of just the type of clients, the type of projects that they're doing. That's the best way for you to see how they interact Mm -hmm. and how you could possibly even meet the people that are working there. Everyone moves around so much. But it's just nice to have that peek into that world and and seeing the process. And it's it's good to have that. It's good advice. Excellent. There's no there's no education like just doing the thing. Oh yeah. I learned so much in my first few assisting jobs. Assisting is an amazing education. (laughs) Ramona, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua Williams and me. Maria Muriel is our producer. Carolina Rodriguez is our sound engineer. Emma Forbes is the show's intern. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. 
And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It is one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.